Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. Oh man, I, I love that intro. That's the new intro. Uh, if you didn't hear it in the last show, uh, welcome back. This is the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Meziano in the driver's seat once again, joined by the backseat drivers of Tom Bedell and Jordan Weimer. Um, right, shall we get back to the, the normal business now, leaving the fans forum aside and, and just talking about what we love to do, which is players, formations, chat and, and, and transfer news that that we we get to enjoy so much uh, at this time of the year. God, yes. Let's get back to the football. I don't think anyone's prepared for a part two of the fan forum chat, so <laughs> we should, uh, we should no. probably look at doing that, yeah. Right, okay. Then uh, how did you guys want to do this? Should we just start by talking about business that has already been completed? Yeah. And then go from there? Yeah, I think we'll talk about, we'll talk about the deals that have been done, talk about some of the rumours. We've got some questions as well from people on Twitter, so we can we can address those. And I think probably there's a good chance a lot of those questions are going to take us down most other avenues of conversation here anyway. So, um, yeah, let's just get started with the, the deals that have been confirmed, and then we'll, we'll go from there, I'd say. Okay, then, cool. Well, the, the first uh, bit of news that was done uh, over a week ago now was Reese Healy. The 28-year-old striker who signed from Toulouse after a two-year spell in France. He is uh, English, though, and he spent the majority of his career in England, but he kind of had a, a, a bit of a boom over in France, didn't he? And that's where people started recently really talking about him because he fired Toulouse back to League One, didn't he, guys? Yeah, he did really rather well in, in France. I must admit, I was completely unaware of him until our interest sort of initially surfaced. There's a really good piece on the athletic about him it is kind of a year or so out of date now but written by nick miller 
from his kind of first season there, talking about how well he's done and how he adapted and so on. It's quite quite a nice little backgrounder on his career because it's not the norm that you see uh, British-born players playing abroad like that and, and or certainly getting much attention if they do. Uh, the Jude Bellinghams of this world, I'm, I'm sure, will get plenty of attention despite being in a Liga. But yeah, he obviously had a very kind of productive couple of years or so over there. Um, 40 goals in 77 games in all competitions and would probably have played and scored quite a few more had he not torn his ACL three games into last season, which kind of denied him the opportunity to play very much in Liga. But um, he's had a kind of nomadic career in a weird in a kind of sense, hasn't he, that he Started out in this country, um, lower down the kind of food chain, I suppose, with uh, in, in the Welsh Prem, has come to this country with Cardiff, played in the Prem briefly, then played all the way down in the National League uh, with Torquay, worked his way back up with MK Dons and, and moved to Toulouse. So I, I quite like that in a way that he's, you know, he's had to do it the hard way and, and almost fight for everything that he's achieved in his career, score goals pretty much wherever he's played frequently in League 2 on loan at Newport, um, in League 1 with MK Dons. So this is probably, you know, I don't want to be arrogant to say a step up from League 2 because I, I can't sit here and pretend I watch any football at that level. But you, you kind of expect that it's going to be the pinnacle of where he's played at this point, notwithstanding a few games in League 1. So it's going to be interesting, but I quite like the fit and the fact that he's homegrown and he arrives at a good age. Um, yeah, what do you reckon, Jordan? Yeah, I agree. I think it's um, it's a, it's an interesting signing. I like I like the thought process behind it. I think you know it's again a situation where you have you got good value on the deal to begin with. Um, it's always going to be like a an easy fit in that sense. But in terms of the player, he's he's a little bit different than what we've had for a while in terms of a forward. He's you know, quite determined, but he's a he's a quite a natural finisher. He's he's sharp in the box. Um, he's not he's kind of he doesn't shy away from attacking the ball. He, he moves well. You know, obviously the injury is something we've got to, we've got to think about and has to be considered somewhat. But um, you know, on the surface on on the surface of it, it looks like a good smart smart signing. We weren't the only team interested in him, um, but I do think we're a good opportunity for uh for, for Healy. I think it's something that does suit him. You know, this this team we're trying to put together. Maybe not the kind of typical Ismail striker, but you know that, that also depends on what sort of shape we come out with, and and also kind of what what role he plays within that team. So I'm interested to see how it pans out, but yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think it's a it's a good sort of uh, good sort of early sign, and we should be looking at at this point. It might be useful to remind people of what we believe Valerian Ismail's uh, main tactical goals and aim is going to be this season for Watford, so that we can decide if we think Reese Healy is going to be right for, for, for that sort of setup. What do, what do you think, Jordan? Well, I mean, traditionally in, in recent years, you're expected to see uh, 3-4-3. Um, no matter what the shape is, the, the kind of pressing recoveries, turn over the ball, you know, play fast and aggressive in the opposition third, play direct at times. That's that's kind of the, the strategy in a nutshell. Um, Healy doesn't necessarily fit that in a sense, you know, the, the the central figure for Ismail is generally someone who's a little bit bigger body, more comfortable to play with the back to goal. Whereas Healy's a little bit more of a, I don't really like love to compare players, but a little bit more of a Vidra style in his approach. You know, plays at quite a pace, 
um, wants to be kind of running at defenders or getting into the box and, and, and taking shots. So it, it's a little bit different, but, you know, it, we could see some flexibility in shape too. I think as long as the actual approach is the same, which I'm sure it will be, uh, we, we might see a difference in the shape, whether that's potentially moving away from a back three or perhaps a more kind of traditional three five two. You know, there's, there's options there. So I think they'll find a way to get him in. Um, I, I don't necessarily see him occupying that that central role in the three four three. There's nothing to say that he couldn't play um, off one of the kind of off one of the flanks in that in, in one of those four positions, just because they do have a license to be a little bit more narrow. So there's flexibility there. Uh, but from a uh, from a play style perspective, I think he does have the the mobility and the kind of tenacity to to fit a system which requires him to work hard off the ball as well. So I'm not not too concerned exact, like exactly how he'll fit he'll, he'll fit in, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how he does line him up in preseason. Tom, am I right in saying this guy signed on a free transfer? Is that right? Yeah, free transfer, two year contract. I think it's shrewd. I don't. I think one thing we haven't done a lot of in recent memory, and I. I, I almost wince as I say this because I know our followers on Twitter will give me umpteen examples to prove I'm wrong, but screw it, I'm, I'm down the wormhole, I'm going to say it. I don't feel like we signed many players on free transfers. We seem to put money down Defenders on a mostly. lot of... Yeah, true, good point, good point. Um, we do tend to put money down and obviously, you know, he's not coming for nothing. By being a free agent, he can demand... Um, you know, he can kind of expect more, a better contract, not just in terms of salary, but in terms of kind of other bonuses and signing on fees and all these sort of things. But it feels like a much lower risk in that sense, particularly when you consider some of the expensive flops we've had up front in recent times. So, yeah, I like it. And I hope that it kind of signifies a bit of a, you know, a bit of a repositioning of how we go about our business. But well, I dare say we'll get onto that. Mm. The worrying thing, though, is that this guy uh, is coming off the back of a an ACL injury, and actually, I believe he's had two ACL injuries in his career, which is, you know, it's, it's not great reading, is it? Really, even with the, you know, sophistication of uh, of, of treatment rooms these days, it's um, it's still worrying. Yeah, I mean, it is. There's the, it isn't. It isn't. There's there's the statistical chance of just redoing the same injury is even if you have almost a re like almost a perfect reconstruction, it's still, you know, you still tore it once to begin with. There's nothing stopping it happen again. The same you know probability it can happen, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think you just have to kind of trust the medical team on this one. If they, if they assess his knee and, and decide that it's, you know, it's structurally sound, um, then you kind of just have to go with it. It's, it's tough to tell. I mean, there's always a risk and you always are concerned about that, but, um, you know, it's part of the game at that level, and it's just something you have to you have to deal with. And you know, ACL is obviously the one you, you you do cringe at, but there are there are other injuries that could. I'm sure we've signed players with that um, are maybe a little a little less poignant or kind of at the forefront of the signing. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, but as long as he's got a good preseason, his recovery is good. I'm not sure where he got the surgery done for the for these two, if it's the same place or not. But generally, they do the whole Barcelona trip, don't they, and get the get the surgery done there. And generally, the success rate is pretty good. So we'll we'll see. But um, I'm not overly concerned. Jordan, given you said he's not necessarily the typical profile of a Valerian Ismail forward, does that put kind of emphasis on finding someone now who is prototype Ismail, bigger kind of bodied player? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd say so. I think you look at some of the links we've had 
Um, we'll get into these in some of the questions too. But you know, you look at Cho, you look at Is, um, Is, Islam Slamani, who we linked to today. And these are bigger body guys that they, they put themselves about. They can press well. They're good in the air. They can play with their back to goal a little bit as well. Um, you, you need that kind of center point of a of a forward. I think the way that the way that these sort of teams work, especially these kind of pressing teams that turn the ball over. One of the beauties, beauties of it is that you can, you know, you, you force opposition into creating chances for you. But something you always have to be prepared for is the fact that you're picking balls up in, in random positions. You're not necessarily in the attacking position you'd be designated in normally. You're, you know, you're reacting on the fly and kind of making the most out of these chaotic situations. So to kind of have some consistency in that sort of attacking shape, they, he likes to have someone that can be that that bounce board in the middle um can work hard can you know be disruptive and and create more chaos but also bring others into play when when the structure starts to kind of go and and kind of form some level of cohesion in those forward positions so uh, i think we will see us still continue to look at a forward i don't think that um i don't think our business is done there i'd imagine there's still at least one more they want to bring in and that's you know regardless if you play a two up front or or the one i think you need to have at least at least one of those options and and currently there's not really a single one of those in the team. Jordan, you've had a look at some of his recent games with Toulouse. How do they play him over there? I don't really think it matters too much. I think that he's the profile of striker. It doesn't really necessarily matter. It just depends what you want of him. You know, he's not he's not what we just described. Um he's not someone that's be playing with his with his back to goal as much and you know he can help and build up and so on. But he wants to be he he's a striker. He wants to be in the box, he wants to be shooting. Um he can he wants to take it on both feet and turn his defender and have a go. So whether you use them in a one or, or kind of a front three, sorry, a, a two or a front three, it doesn't really matter. It's more just how you're how you're using those those players and how you're using that shape. And I think just with the sort of pressing team that we will be or we intend to be, I'd have less concerns about him playing centrally in many ways. But I, I just think we will want to have that option of a bigger body um, guy in there. But you know, it, it, either way, if he was if he was used in the front two or in a in a, in a front three, he's he should be. Um, should be good either way. And honestly, as I said earlier, if we are playing a three-four-three, I don't think it'd be out of the question for him to be playing off that left-hand side or potentially off the right-hand side, just to you know still get in the box, be active, and and just have a slightly different starting position. Okay, cool. That's Reese Healy. I think we're all feeling pretty positive about that one. Yeah, I think he's. I think I think for the most part, I haven't seen too many complaints about Healy. The only thing I've seen really mentioned is the knee. The next one we're going to talk about, I'm sure, is a little bit more divisive in the in terms of opinion. But yes, shall we move on to that then? Um, the other confirmed signing that Watford have made so far is Tom Ince, 31 year old winger, predominantly from the right, uh, signed from Reading for what we believed is to be fifty thousand pounds on a two-year deal with an option for a third um yeah i can go first tom on tom um horrible thought <laughs> yeah it's a funny one isn't it because right his, his dad's a knob and the fact that he's coming <laughs> to watford greatly enhances the chances of paul Ince being watford manager at some point particularly when you assume that we'll get through three managers stop Stop this it. season Stop it. as usual, right? <laughs> so that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, Tom Ince is a bit of a little weasel prick as well, isn't he? He always scores against us. Hang I, on, Tom. I've got, I've got this new, I've got this new um, device here. Go for it again. Tom Ince is a little bit of a weasel prick as well, isn't he? 
Um, Carry on. <laughs> so he has scored. I checked this out because research, and now I've lost it, which is good. Oh, paper research is, too. Oh no, I wrote it in here. Here we go. No, yeah, I have paper research. Did you hear that sound effect? Five goals and four assists in nine games against Watford in his career, but actually Bristol City are his favourite opponent. Eight goals and four assists in 14 games. So he's always been a bit of a thorn in our side. I think the other thing is that he's 31, and when it was kind of initially reported by Adam Leventhal, he said a three-year deal. In a sense, and I saw Adam Leventhal trying to argue this on Twitter, a two plus one doesn't really change that. And when the club have said you know, we've held on to players for too long and so on in the past. Saying that you're giving a 31-year-old a three-year deal suggests no lessons have been learned. But mm. I think two plus one is perfectly reasonable and smart. Um, he was, a, as Jordan pointed out in our WhatsApp group, effectively a free agent because of his very small release clause and the fact that Reading were clearly prepared to lose him after relegation. So he was always going to go to whoever offered him security, right? Or the, the, the best kind of offer with security built into that. That meant at least a two-year deal and then another year. If he does brilliantly, fantastic. If not, you know, nothing nothing kind of ventured, nothing gained. So um, I'm, I'm actually okay with it, despite being silly about him and his dad being so-and-sos. He knows the division. It's another homegrown player. In a poor Reading side last year, he got uh, nine goals against the next year of just over five and four assists, which is about what he should have got. Um, but by all accounts, I text a Reading supporting mate of mine when we signed him. He said, you know, he works very hard out of possession, more than you might imagine. Um, and that obviously kind of leans into what we're looking for. Uh, for a Valerian Ishmael side, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I don't, I don't hate this to be honest with you for a 31 year old that always scores against us. No, I think it's, um, I agree. I think it's easy to criticise this deal on the surface. I think you look at Tom Ince and you could, in, you could easily say, oh great, here we go again, signing the, you know, a washed out player, not no, like no need to bring him in. We're just getting. Like strangled by a three-year deal uh, for a player that we don't need. It's just you know bad, bad recruitment yet again. But I, I think you have to try and look a little bit deeper. And I think one thing we should try and do, you know, we talked about last year. It's tough to maybe judge Ben Manga's influence on on what we were doing recruitment-wise fully. He didn't have a, he didn't have a full say, and we we kept saying at the time, you know, we really can't judge until we look at what's happening in the summer when he has he has the control. Uh, and he has the opportunity to start targeting players that that he likes. And I think when you look at Tom Ince, you know Tom touched on it there. At, off the ball, his work's been good. So that's an instant tick. That's that's something that, that Ismail needs. That's kind of the the first thing we have to see um, from from a player coming in to kind of fit this, especially in the, in the midfield forward positions to fit this team. So that's a good thing. Um, still pretty productive. You know, put up good numbers in a bad team. I think as their player of the season. He he did he did work hard hard off the ball from what we've seen. Um, he he still looked relatively sharp. Not too many injury concerns. Good good price in the deal. I'm sure the contract's not terrible. And you know homegrown is another squad option, rotation option. He's played centrally quite a lot too. So there's flexibility in positions there. Again, we talked about a, a second ago with Healy that that positional flexibility. You know, reacting in real time on the pitch is also useful. Being able to play in different positions, different areas of the pitch, and and still be confident and and effective. 
I think is a, is a real big plus. So, you know, I don't, there's not too much not to like that he's a 31 year old player, but you know, short term options are also necessary and in terms of squad building. It's not going to be every player that comes in is going to be a a young, you know, coming into their prime player. You have to be smart and you have to be, you have to think about this season, not just two seasons down the road or sell on fees. You got to think about now and what's going to help us win and and hopefully push for promotion now. And I think I'd much rather have someone like Tom Ince come in than rely on one of our kind of eighteen year olds and the under twenty ones coming through and and offering something. So. Yeah, I, I think it's quite a positive deal, and I wouldn't read too much into what others are saying from other other te- other fan bases and so on um, in regards to Ince. I think just look at it through the perspective of what are we trying to do and try and figure out how he fits in the bigger picture of this transfer window. Obviously, you know these deals going through now, they're the free agents and you know players with um, with release clauses. They're very simple deals, or relatively simple deals to get pushed through. So we're going to see those first, but don't judge the whole window based on on these these first two. Let's see how it kind of pans out. And I think, you know, next few days or the next couple of weeks is where we can start to see most of the activity come through. So um, I, I still think it's relatively hopeful. Okay, cool. Tom, it's not a bad option then, given that the, the, the price tag is low and he's still got some, you know, miles left in the tank. Yeah, I think he's a better fit than some than some might think um, originally. How do you think he's likely to fit into Ishmael's style? Well, I think that those outside, if you're playing the three four three, those outside positions. If you play three five two, then he can also play in the centre. He's played quite consistent. Well, he's played quite regularly from the central position during the later stages of his, stages of his career. You know, you think about Tom Ince, Normally, we think of him playing from wide positions, but he's actually quite a good creative player. And actually, one other thing I didn't mention when when talking about him, which is actually will be very much appreciated is the fact that he can take a set piece, which is, uh, I know we've had Imran lose has kind of been an improvement there, but, you know, corners, free kicks. It's nice to have another player in the squad that can take a free kick as well. Um, but yeah, he's quite versatile from a positional sense. So uh, I think anywhere across those four positions is is somewhere that he can occupy and, and potentially be productive for us. Mm. And Tom, you, you said that he... Uh... He has a bit of a, a, a bad boy attitude. At least that's what reports have said in the past. I mean, we have to judge him on what we see him doing a yellow shirt, but it, it it's not great when we think we might be about to get rid of one of those in in Saar and, and potentially we've signed another in, in Ince. Yeah, but maybe not bad boy, but just kind of a bit of immaturity earlier in his career. Certainly there was the whole kind of thing about he could have gone to Inter Milan, I think, wasn't it? And he went to Hull. And that didn't work out. And then he went on loan to Palace and that didn't work out. And there was just a bit of a, he's moved around a lot. I think his dad kind of has interfered, not interfered, this is his dad, but, you know, have been quite an influence in his career and, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, he's, he's maybe not always been the most most likeable person. My Reading sporting mate, Johnny, also said he kind of wasn't, didn't appear to be the most popular with the players at times, you know, spent a lot of time maybe digging out other players and so on for not matching his effort off the ball and, and so on. But ugh, blimey, we could probably do with a player or two like that as well, to be honest, rather than all being kind of so, um, you know, passive. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't mind it too badly. I think we need a bit of, a bit of bite and a bit of, a bit of nastiness in the, in the right way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly for him. I, I, I like what he's done in the past and, uh, you know, I, I'm genuinely interested to see what he can do for us this season, and uh, could be, could be the, the steal of the season, maybe Tom. Yeah, quite possibly. At Fifty grand. It's again, it's a bit like we re-see this. You know, it's a, one that 
there's very little downside for us, I think. So, yeah, it, it feels like a smart piece of business on paper. Give it six months and we'll all be complaining like nobody's business. Okay, so that's um, Winger and Striker that we've managed to sign. Um, what other positions, and there might be a few here, do we ideally need to bring in to get at least a, a good base for Ishmael to work with to uh, to begin the season with? Well, I mean, you're still looking at a number, Matt. Um, you know, you're still looking at the midfield positions, uh, left wing back potentially. Well, at least left back or left wing back, definitely. Sorry, um, still looking at striker. There's you could really strengthen everywhere. You know, centre back is still a potential. Um, there's nowhere's off limits, is what I'd say. Okay, uh, Tom, you did a little um, spreadsheet or or table to kind of yeah give us a, a good picture of where we are. Obviously, this is the. Uh, the, the radio or the or the podcast world so no one can see that picture unless they go to twitter and have a look at it but um do you want to guide us through what what, what is that you were trying to put out yeah I, I mean you said a good picture and i sighed because it's not a good picture it's a miserable picture most of the replies said and um hansen ho pointed out that it's quite early and perhaps um you know too early to do anything and, and so on or bring it up and i've you know, was tempted to say, well, why do you think I tweeted it to get some <laughs> negative engagement? Um, I think basically, you know, you're, you're looking at one left back in James Morris. Um, one, if you can call him a kind of more defensive minded midfielder in Edo Kayembe, you know, the wingers of Kalu, Saar, Int, Sema, Hungbo and Bar, And then underneath Healy in the striking department, you've got Bayo, Fletcher and Pasetto. I haven't seen any proof that Fletcher or Pasetto are in London Colney at the moment. Pasetto certainly seems to be in Italy. So it's looking pretty thin on the ground in places. I think, as Jordan said, no number is off the table, but I'd want, if we can move a couple of centre backs out, looking at, you know, Trusticon, Cathcart, Cabaselli, then I'd say you probably need to get a couple more in. Certainly need to get a first choice left back. Certainly need to get at least one central midfielder. Probably need to get a couple of wingers if we assume that Saar's going to go. Kalu, eh, I mean, by wingers, I mean kind of players that are going to play in that inside forward, number 10, whatever role. And you probably want another striker, unless unless we're going to give Bakumbeo another real go. He's, he's certainly been involved in pre-season training, hasn't he? So, you know, you're probably looking at six or seven straight away that we, we still need. But yeah, head to our Twitter. It's at Watford Pod to see that graphic. And we will update it a few times through pre-season as we add players to go and probably sell a few as well because we've got four right-backs, five if you include Dan Gosling. Um, and and uh, keep it up to date as we, uh, as we head through pre-season. Okay, so you've both mentioned a left-back then or someone who can play in that position. And someone that we have been linked to uh, is Callum Styles, who kind of plays in that role. He could be more of a midfielder or, or a defender. I mean, it's but he has played on that left side before. So do you think that he could be potentially the uh, the missing link in, the, in that section? Most definitely, yeah. I think that's that would be the the main thought process behind Styles. And I, look, we're going back to again. I'm not going to harp on this every time we talk about a player, but positional flexibility. You know, he can play in different positions. He can he can he can be kind of reactive and and adjust depending on what we need to. 
to do in certain situations. He's he's tied in the ball. He's a good. He is one that is a good age. You know, 20, 23, 24 years old. Um, I, I like a lot about that signing. He had a couple of injuries last season, which would be one thing just to keep in mind with him. But he, uh, he he's a promising player, and I think his his use of possession is quite good. He's quite a tidy footballer. I think he, he'd be someone that would be a nice addition to to this team. And obviously, there is a history there working with uh, Ismail at Barnsley too. Um, so lots to like on that one. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that if you were putting a list together of, of of potential options in that position, I think he'd be one that would be towards the top of it, actually. Yeah. This sounds like this one might cost a few quid, though. I was reading earlier that Gary Rowett, and this is with the uh, local paper in that in uh, South London, South London Press, saying that um, they would like him, Millwall, after he was on loan there last season, but it's a kind of question of his release clause which is quite high so be interesting I mean I'm not saying I've got any opposition to it on that on that basis you know we've been quite shrewd so far so if you know if Callum Stars has kind of cost a few quid then that's absolutely fine I think again it's a a nice profile isn't it as you say the kind of age knows the division knows uh, Valerian Ismail's style of play incredibly versatile played all over the place last season for Millwall didn't they actually didn't play kind of wing back as much as he did other positions but it was one of the positions that he played more minutes in the most so he's certainly um he's quite an interesting one I think in that um in that sense isn't he so I can't I can't pretend I've seen a huge amount of him but he certainly um if you kind of compare him to other wing backs in the division last year he certainly kind of stacks up well more ball recoveries Per ninety in the opposing half, more ball recover the fifth for ball recoveries overall, um, second for loose ball jewels attempted. Yeah, you know, paints a picture of someone who does the kind of uh, does a lot of the hard work, presses high, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm quite interesting to to see to see him and a Hungarian international with a name like Callum Stars is is brilliant. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a good little player. He's 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 useful. I think. Um... He, he t- again, he ticks the boxes, and it? it, it's a deal that makes a lot of sense. I'd say if it's not, um, it, it's not one to have too many concerns about. Uh, in my opinion, <laughs> exactly what we need. Yeah, I think we have to. You know, it's still relatively early. I think you know, 29th of June. Often, to, often even it's 29th of June as we record this. Often tomorrow is when you start to see, you know, things ramp up a little bit from transfer from a transfer perspective. So. Uh, look look over the next four weeks more than than the previous four you know we already touched on the deals that have got done with the, the simple ones buyout clauses free agents etc so um i wouldn't be too concerned the fact that we haven't heard much more we heard there's interest that's that's you know that's one thing but let's let's give it a little bit of time and uh, and, and see but i think it is a it is a real option for us by this stage last season we hadn't signed anyone unless you include scott holding from stockport <laughs> i don't we didn't sign any no, I don't either. We didn't sign anyone until July second, which was Vacun Bio, and then we followed that up ten days later with Raymond I. Then after that, it was Hamer and Gaspar. So, you know, oh, was that was last season the worst transfer period for us under the Pozzos? I mean, what a collection of players that was! It's got it's got to be said. But then you know the loans came quite late as well, didn't mm. they? Uh, Chowdhury, Dave. That's it. Chowdhury, Davis, House were all uh, August, and then Kamara came after we sold him in August. So at least we're at least, 
at least we're getting our business done a little bit earlier this uh, mm. this summer. I would I would I would suggest. You mentioned Tom that uh, he he's obviously a player that's at Barnsley and and that uh, Valerian Ishmael had a, a decent spell there. Do you think that um, you know we could potentially go raiding for anyone any any else of? Uh... Well, Matt, it's like you looked at my paper in front of me. Um, you you tasked us with finding with coming up with some names of, of players they are uh, of players that um, we maybe should take a look at. So I did just that, and my starting point pretty much was players that he's used before or had before because I'm lazy. Uh, so one player that I came up with. Mm-hmm. Suggest I would put forward would be uh, Daryl DK, who was under him at Barnsley and West Brom. So double double tick there. Is injured for seven months with an Achilles problem. So that's perfect. He would come straight into the medical room where he's kind of <laughs> most at home. Um, and and Watford players tend to tend to be there. My thinking here being that West Brom are a mess and need to just shift bodies. So he might, although he's cost kind of reasonable money in the past, he might be available at a bit of a knockdown price injury kind of thrown in there as well. I think it is also his second major injury, so that's even better. Um, but kind of probably had the best period of his career in, in this country under um, under Ishmael at Barnsley when they took him on loan from the States, did very well, and he's kind of ticks that bigger-bodied, Forward six foot two, you know, real strapping, muscly forward. Scored nine in eighteen, I believe it was for Barnsley in that time that he was on loan. So that was one suggestion. Another very, very imaginative suggestion that I've got for you, that probably equally implausible. Hang on, hang on, I've, I've got a good one for this. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> equally implausible is someone who played. Uh, was a big part of that uh, Barnsley side that got to the playoffs against all expectations. He's a local lad. He's still fairly local because he plays for Luton. It's Corley Woodrow. Uh, don't know if he necessarily ticks the box of the sort of forward, but I, my reasoning was that kind of knows the expectations of Valerian Ishmael, local lad, and could very well find himself marginalised if they sign a couple of more experienced Premier League forwards anyway but can also kind of play in a couple of positions. I think you could maybe see him in that kind of withdrawn forward role behind the main kind of bigger striker as well. And then a couple more for you up front, because that's the area I've concerned myself with predominantly here. Um, Carlin Grant, who isn't necessarily the, the biggest, biggest, but again, someone that kind of played under him at West Brom, can play in a couple of different roles, scored 18-41 and 41 last season. Uh, sorry, 18-41 and 41, um, season before last under Ismail. Ten of those were before Valerian Ishmael was sacked. 25, so a decent age. Contracts until 2026, but again, West Brom in a bit of a financial pickle, valued at €4.5 million, Euros according to transfer marks. Obviously not the kind of oracle that it's held up to be, but you'd reasonably assume you could get him for a fair price a bit of pace and so on and then the other one this one's a bit more left field jay stansfield who is fulham uh kid was on loan at exeter last season in league one scored nine in 36 got seven assists um quite quick i believe gets in behind but certainly works hard as well 
Uh, first in the division amongst all strikers for defensive duels won, and second in the division amongst all strikers for defensive duels attempted. So I'm I'm taking that to mean, you know, comfortable with the kind of high intensity, high pressing, high work rate side of the game, and might be someone you know young British looking to step up, whether it's alone or what I don't know, but um, yeah, a couple of couple of little suggestions for you there. Some of them plausible, some of them completely and utterly unlikely. What say you, Jordan? Any 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 comments on those? If we go, no, I think it's interesting. If we're going down the route of, um, if we're going down the route of ex Barnsley and, and Ismail, I think we have mentioned it before, but I still think Alex Moat would be an interesting one oh, to look yeah. at. You know, homegrown option. Um, he's younger than you expect. Probably twenty eight. Is he? Quickly Google. Let me have a look. Hey, very good. Twenty eight. Is he twenty eight? Well done, you. Um, he is. Yeah. He's, you know, obviously we know he's got he's got obviously shooting range, but he's got he's got passing range, got a good left foot control, um, pressing wise, really good combative. I, I think he's a nice well rounded midfielder, and, and we know that he suits this system. And with with someone like Styles, obviously you've got that kind of familiarity too. But I think Moat's got some um, got some intangibles that I quite like. There's something he's always he's a competitor, and I think I've always appreciated that when you watch him play. He does. He does play with a level of um, intensity, which I think we've been lacking for a while in this squad. Um, I think he's a good fit. It's, the question is, can you bring him in? Um, what are? Did he score an absolute banger against us for at Barnes, Barnsley? Away at Barnsley, we were, yeah, yeah. When yeah. Ivic was in charge, that's correct. Yeah, yeah okay. he did. Um, so yeah, he's 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 someone that I think would, would suit quite nicely, not just based on kind of fitting Ismail's system, but based on the mid the kind of makeup of midfielders that we have currently. Uh, I think we could do with someone like um like Moat. And you know, his his situation, you mentioned kind of West Brom. They are in a bit of a, they are in a bit of turmoil in some respects. So you might be one you could pick up from there. He had a you know decent spell on loan last year at Middlesbrough, but it's uncertain whether they're gonna kind of go back in for him and try and make it permanent or look elsewhere. So he's one that I'd be kind of having some interest in and maybe kind of asking the questions and, and feeling things out because I think it would be another one that, that could slot in especially when we, we do have to have a you know a quantity of players coming in anyone that can come in with a little bit of a, a quicker transition is, is one that we should definitely be looking at or at least considering So Alex Moat then yeah I'm just, I'm just looking it up now he looks like a, a decent prospect uh, I'm not sure if Watford would be willing to pay the kind of money that West Brom would be after though yeah, well, I, I mean, West Brom have a difficult financial situation currently, so I think there's a little bit of flexibility there, and you have to go through and see kind of what their saleable assets really are. Um, I don't think he'd set you back a massive amount, to be honest with you. Uh, they were willing to let him go out on loan last year, and I think you know that wasn't all tactical. They they did that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I would. I would. I think would think it'd be within our range if he was someone that we truly wanted. As I say. Given their circumstances, I could potentially see a situation where they would be happy to loan him out with an option or an obligation anyway, just to get him off the books uh, from a from a purely from a salary point of view and, and push the problem down the road. Yeah, he's got. It looks like he's got you know another season left in his deal, um, or another two seasons, two years in his deal. So um, I, I don't think it's one they're gonna. Well, it's, it's not one they're gonna be looking to kind of retain long term. So. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was one that um, that we we went for, and I haven't heard anything about it specifically, but it, it's possible, I'd say. Okay, talking about ones that we uh, have heard things about, then um, 
Cho Gusung, and I'm probably butchering that, is another striker who has been mentioned as being somebody that Watford are interested in. Uh, guys, what sort of a player is he? Is it feasible? Uh, is it someone that would fit into Valerian's um, style of play? Yeah, no, I think this is, it's, for me so far, this is kind of the most interesting one. I think the Asian market, Korean as well in, in particular, I think is something which is is going to get bigger over the next few years. It's one, it's an area that, that teams are starting to look in a little bit more and trying to establish if it's, um, you know, it, it can be somewhat complicated in terms of getting visas and so on. But if the situation is correct, it's a, it's a nice market to work in. The, the standard is improving. Uh, quite nicely obviously we've seen that as well kind of through the national performances in the world cups and so on um but the standard of player that's coming through in those countries is, is going up and i think it's a market we'll, we'll look to kind of be active in ourselves uh apparently we've been looking at a few players over in korea so maybe he's just the first of a few but i i think it's a good a good target he's i'm not sure if you got to see him at the world cup or if you kind of noticed him and picked him out as the same player and obviously it's it's difficult when you watch the world cup and there's a lot on show, but he was he was good, and he's he is a bigger body guy. Um, he plays this back to back to goal quite nicely. He's an offensive threat, good in the air, shoots with both feet. Maybe not the cleanest finisher ever. Like there are a few, there are a few where you kind of question, you know, was that the best option to take? But he plays a lot of intensity, passion. You know, you can see that work rate off the ball is good. Um, from what I can tell, I did try to do a little bit of research about him. This is a little bit harder, especially when you're doing a lot of translating as well. But it seems like he's a good character, um, seems pretty coachable, a player you'd like to kind of include into this team. Um, you know, I didn't really see too, too many negatives, especially when the, the fee that was being talked about was, I think, was maybe 3.5 uh, release calls or something around that. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I saw that figure being thrown around a little. But yeah, everything, everything I could see, I, I think he is a good fit. Um, I, I wouldn't have too much hesitation. As I said, there's a couple of things in the striking, and at times he maybe will overrun a little bit. He's not the most kind of dynamic carry in the ball. He can carry, and he he'll throw in a step over and try and cut inside and get a shot off. He can get get a bit caught out from time to time, but yeah, I think it looks quite a prospect. And again, it's a decent age, and I think it's a it's, it's a promising signing to at least be looking in that area. Yeah, he scored a lovely goal the other day. I don't know if you saw that sort of little flick. Very nice indeed. Yeah, I did see the goal. Yeah, he scored a brace the other night, didn't he? Um, somebody else who's been mentioned recently was uh, Islam Slimani, who's someone who we've actually been talked about uh, before, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> yes, I, I must admit, I actually only learned this during the process of the pod when I was looking at Jordan's Twitter. Always more informed than me, but I gather that he was someone Marco Silva wanted when he was in charge way back when. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was. He was with the whole Ramagnoli and all the the former whole players, and then the former Lisbon players and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's played for some enormous clubs in his career, and not really got the best kind of rep in this country. But you know, played for the likes of Sporting Lisbon. Monaco, Fenerbahce, Lyon, um, so and done very well in a lot of places. Certainly across the first spell at Sporting, did very well, and that was what kind of tempted Leicester into spending quite a bit of money on him at a time that they were probably trying to buy and failing to buy Troy Deeney. Had a bit of a renaissance, I think, at Anderlecht last season. Got eight in ten uh, Belgian top flight appearances. I mean. 
he's 35. That's the, the kind of obvious thing here. But I think he's probably someone that if you're looking for someone to do that physical role and not break the budget, um, you know, um, that's not really the phrase I'm looking for, is it? But, you know, not cost the earth, essentially, then he might be a decent option on, you'd reasonably assume, only a, a single year's contract. So, um, yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. Maybe not the sexiest name, certainly not the sexiest face, um, <laughs> but could be, could, be, could be a decent kind of stopgap for that bigger striker role. Yeah, those two strikers we just mentioned there, Cho and Islam, seem like they're strikers in a similar mould, although separated by probably about 10 years or so. But um, they're the kind of player that it's believed that uh, Valerian likes to play with. Yeah, I think so. Um, I wouldn't say it's a one or the other situation either in, in regards to those two players. But, you know, I think that Slomani, I've got a bit of a soft soft spot for Slomani. I really, I really liked him at, at Sporting and... You know, when we were linked to him, I thought that was that was a player that could really make a difference for us, especially at the time we were kind of lacking in that sense. We really just had Troy as an option. And I thought the money would have been a good, a good variable to throw in there. Um, but look, he's not just a he's not just big bodied and good in the air. He is a monster in the air, attacking especially attacking the ball from crosses. He's he's always been very good at that. But he he does work incredibly hard. I think he's a if you sit down and watch the money play, he's a really likable player. I think the way he kind of presents himself on the pitch he doesn't stop he's tireless um he plays a level of aggression again um not that that's the be all and end all but it is kind of a somewhat of a requirement or at least it helps in in terms of executing this sort of this sort of style of play uh, i think he sets the tone really well from the forward position uh, yeah i mean that he's 35 that's a factor fact, um, factor to consider but that's going to be considered in the actual contract length which i'm sure would not be more than a year um, but nothing to suggest to me. I'll, I'll have to actually spend some time and try and watch a full ninety, perhaps of uh, of Anderlet and see kind of what what he was doing. But I don't see anything to suggest that he's not capable of playing another year. He's always kept himself in pretty good condition, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to this one at all. I think it's it's quite an interesting opportunity, and again, a free agent signing. You know, you, you're paying a year of contract and a signing on fee for a player that could be. Um, a useful asset, and I think again we have to look at it in the in the whole kind of context. If we if we think that we are going to be bringing in a few more players, and he's another addition, someone that you could potentially in previous years we might not have gone out and signed, we might have left with a you know a, a different player, or maybe just gone a little bit thin in a certain position in, in a striker position. Then you know I'd rather go down this route and explore these sorts of options. I think it's um it's one worth looking at. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Let's move on to some questions then. Um and thank you very much for, for getting in touch. It's been a while since we've put out a request for some questions, so we'll get through these and hopefully answer them as best as we can. Starting with um, Watford Focus, are you able to divulge more on any inside knowledge on any upcoming transfers? Anything we're working on? What do we? What do you think we need? Um, yeah, I mean it's tough. Like I, in terms of divulging information, I don't want to say anything that I I don't have for certain, and some things obviously can't be said straight away. But what I will say is. For one, actually, in general, it has been a little bit... The information's been a little bit slower since Manga's been there. I think it sounds like um, there's more of a kind of interest in retaining some of that information, but there is work being done. Um, and as I kind of tried to allude to through the beginning of this podcast, don't assume because don't kind of judge the whole window on the deals that we've seen so far. Um, they're kind of easy ones to go through. Let's wait and see kind of how it's looking at the end of this thing. But um, yeah, it's... It, I think there's promise still. I'm I'm not um I'm not gonna be pessimistic on this window just yet. I think there's been um there's been some positives so far and, and some of the things I've heard have still been relatively positive also. Have you what about you, Tom? How do you feel on that? Yeah, I it's early, isn't it? As I said earlier, I think there's a lot of stuff floating about. I suspect there are probably deals that are done or virtually done that we will hear about in the coming days once we flick over into July, as as we know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners know the contracts expire on june 30th so although we've announced a couple already sometimes clubs aren't as kind of willing to 
make that information available. Certainly in some cases, if you announce a deal before June 30th on a player that's contract is up, you're then due to pay his wages for that whole period. So, you know, it can pay to, or not pay or save you money to keep Sturm. So, yeah, I think I'm quite, at the moment, I'm not, I know I put the graphic out the other day with the kind of the the lack of depth chart, but on the whole, I am actually quite pleased with the business we've done. I think we're heading in the in the right direction in that respect, but I'm not well connected and I haven't heard any other kind of deals in the pipeline. I will, I will say we are we are actively working on more than what has been reported so far, and I don't. These are not all names that are going to transpire into anything, but um, there is work being done. It's not a case of um, see what's available at the bottom of the bucket at the end of the transfer window. I think there there is more of a plan in mind. Um, which I think will start to kind of come to fruition as as these deals start to roll through. But I, I expect the next week or two to be where um, where things start to pick up. Do you think they'll let it go to a, a position where we were last time, where there's a clear lack in a certain position, and we're just going to roll with it? There may be some pragmatism just in terms of how the quantity we have to bring in, and you might have to take some edu- educated gambles in terms of depth but you know for the most part i think that the difference is when we are approaching it with more of a an idea of what we're trying to achieve rather than looking for you know value on a deal and kind of waiting for these deals to come along or waiting for contract situations to to come about or you know oftentimes we capitalize on some sort of like transfer domino effect which allowed us to bring in a player that um was potentially slightly below value with resale like these sorts of things it, it when you rely on those sorts of deals, it makes it very hard to be um, to be proactive in the market and be consistent with your plan. And I think you know you might argue if you're Gino, well, you know it allowed us to bring players in that we we wouldn't have been able to do. And if you have such a set plan, maybe you have to pay market price or over to get your player. But you know if you've got good recruitment, and I think you know we'll see kind of how Manga does. But if you've got enough kind of advanced planning and you can you can look at these players and see where their potential is and how these how these guys fit together, then I don't think that we have to to panic too much. I think we should be able to kind of go into the season with a pretty balanced squad. If it's not, it might not be perfect, you know, kind of very rarely is, but at least you'll be able to look at it and say, okay, I can see what we're trying to do here. And that goes for things like, you know, Islam Slamani. If you say Islam Slamani on the surface of things, 35 year old striker that's, you know, playing a Belgium, you might you might think, oh, this is not what we need. But if you also kind of look at the, look at it through the lens of, well, you know, he's someone that fits his male system. We're we're looking at other players that also complement that. You know, you can create a you can create a team which plays beyond the sum of its parts. I mean, we've wanted managers to do that for a while, but in reality, for that to happen, for that to be achieved, you have to have a a, a unison of things coming together, and that includes having a cohesive recruitment plan. So. Um, I, I am still optimistic we will be able to find a way to have somewhat of a balanced squad, or at least more so than what we've seen in previous years going into this uh, this championship season. Okay, cool. Uh, next question. I think you might have already asked this one uh, yourself, Jordan, but um, answered, sorry. Uh, but this one comes from Imran Lose Appreciator, and he says, do you think we will get Cho if we get Slimani? So do you think it's a, a, a one or the other deal? I don't think so. No, I think there's, there's room for both potentially. And don't forget too, we did loan out Vacuum Bio last season, the, the first season he signed for us. So we're clearly not above moving things around if needed. I don't think Bio is necessarily going to go, but 
I would imagine that Cho is the favorite option um, and Slimani could be a good complement to that, potentially a better complement than Bio. Bio is probably the worst fit right now out of the options we have. So I, I wouldn't say it's either or. Um, and also too, it depends on the shape. If we do decide, if Ismail decides, you know what, I want to play with the front two, then, you know, four strikers is is kind of really minimum. And off the back of that one, Chris DS says, Cho or Slimani for you? Which one? If you had to pick one, who's your go-to? It's got to be Cho all round. I think I, like, I, I do really like Slimani, but, you know, we've got to look a little... Look in the short term is appropriate in certain situations, but if it's a choice between the two, then I, I think Cho's the, the one that you go for. What if it was a uh, 23-year-old Slimani versus Cho? I'm probably taking Slim. <laughs> Good choice. Uh, next one, uh, Ed J says, Evening, guys, keep up the good work. Excellent pod. Always enjoy listening. How confident are you feeling about next season, giving the forum slash recent activity? And do you think we will bring lots in or adopt a two to three window incremental change approach to signings this term? I think personally... I think it's unavoidable that we have to bring quite a few in because I still think there are players in that squad, that depth chart that I put out, that there are there are serious, serious questions over. You know, we, we're we not going to... We don't know, and we're not going to know evidently immediately what's happening with the three guys who are out of contract, Cathcart, Cleverly and Gosling. We are, This is not everybody by any means, but just, you know, picking some out. We don't know what's going on with... Kayembe, he was only meant to be out for a fairly short period of last season, missed the whole of the season. Kalu went missing entirely. Saar, you reasonably expect, will leave. Poseto is posing for pictures. I don't actually care because he's evidently not an option, but I put him on that list. He's posing for pictures in Italy. Fletcher, Christ only knows. Truce de Kong looked like he was going to Salernitana, but they, by all accounts, haven't taken up his option. Matty Pollock says that he might have to move on for his own good. Tom Deli Bashiru, Domingos Kina, Joe Hungbo, Quadro Bar, where are they in their Watford careers? You'd reasonably assume they're all expendable at this stage. That's about 10 players that I've just listed off the bat. So we have to bring in players if we're going to be competitive. So I think we'll see. A different approach but there will be lots of players that's the second question how confident are we feeling about next season I genuinely don't know how to feel I felt fairly negative at the time of the forum after forum as Ed mentions in the coming days I kind of plateaued a little bit but there's a lot of work to be done and I don't think we're truly going to know the makeup and the kind of outlook until the windows shut so yeah, there's a long period and a lot of changes ahead, I suspect. Mm. In terms of goalkeeper, from what Ben Manga said at the forum, it looks as though Backman is here to stay. Um, he was quite um, complimentary of his shot-stopping abilities. Um, which have never been in doubt, to be fair. Yeah, which, which, I mean, to be fair, he's, he's, he's not bad in that, in that area. Um, but the question was, based on how... Uh, Vlad wants to play, um, would a better goalkeeper be more suitable? I think the answer is definitely yes, but we're not going to look at it because we've got so many areas to look at and Dan is good enough, at least for the championship, 
I think that's the key. Isn't that's it? It. Good enough, essentially, that because there's so much other work to do, it's just not smart to waste time, money, resources, whatever on on that position. Um, yeah, I mean, who spends six million on a goalkeeper and then doesn't use them? That'd be that'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted my thoughts about that recently. I don't think it's the great controversy people have made it out to be, but it does speak for a disalignment, as as Gino would say, between the recruitment guys and the head coach. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's low down my list of priorities, goalkeeper at the moment. I also think just just in regards to the the kind of approach in general, I do think that it's a kind of somewhat of an immediate kind of need that we have to bring in quantity. But I think a two to three window incremental approach is also somewhat tied in too. I think that's kind of the the approach you have to have combined with this. This is a you know, you might have to make some short term deals and and try and perhaps make them with a longer term um kind of thought in mind. But um it is it's something that you'd expect it to be a few windows worth of work to correct some of the mistakes we've made previously. So even if we do get a bunch in, I don't think we're gonna be confident that or comfortable to kind of rest on that and say, well, we've done our job now. I think we have to be thinking a few windows ahead and, and still even just give it allowing a few windows to truly judge kind of what sort of work we're doing. Well said, Jordan. A uh, few more questions. Uh, this one from John Parslow. Why do Watford fans react badly to fake rumours about players that they don't like and over-the-top enthusiasm to fake rumours about players they do like? Have they not learned how transfer window speculation clickbait works? P.S. Views on incoming Motherwell striker Kevin Van Veen. Okay. Kevin Van Veen. Has he not joined someone this summer? I feel like he's going to join FC Groningen. I was going to say, I don't even know this link. I wasn't even aware of this link. No, nor was I. I wonder if that is a John creating a fake link for humour. Um, oh. Aha. Kevin oh, he's got us all. Did he not? A few years ago, he was at Scunthorpe, and this was at the height of the Chinese Super League. And I feel like Scunthorpe might have been in League 1 or League 2 at that point. And a Chinese Super League club offered something like four million for him. Um, oh, really? I've just googled his name. Yes, he's agreed a pre-contract with FC Groningen, who are in the second Dutch division now after relegation. So I don't think he's coming. In terms <laughs> of the first bit, um, yeah, it's just football fans, isn't it? I, I do pine for the days where there were basically no transfer rumours about clubs the size of Watford. And you found out a player had signed when you turned up on a match day, which has happened to me a number of times, or by looking on the club website. CFAX or Teletax. Sorry. C- oh, God, sorry. <laughs> yes, page 302, wasn't it, for the football? Um, I can remember being on holiday years ago. This is not a particularly interesting story, but it backs up my point. <laughs> We're aging ourselves. <laughs> and, um, well, this will age it even more. Seeing that J- seeing on Teletext that James- a guy called James Chambers had played for Watford in a home game that I missed because I was on holiday. We beat QPR 3-0 under Ray Lewington. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Where has he appeared from? Who is Chambers? And not being able to find out until I got home. There's something to be said for those days because the constant, you know, Sky Sports, all the news aggregators, social media, it all kind of spins up this just vortex of constant transfer room of bollocks. It's so tiresome. I do appreciate some old school football stuff still happening. Like I would still be happy to kind of take in a game like that once in a while. 
Actually, I do the slight side note, but I do right before I left. This was even so it might have changed now. It was a few years, three or four years ago now. But um, to get tickets to an Arsenal game as a scout, you had to fax them, which I always found very strange. Wow, yeah. <laughs> is that because yeah. only scouts would use a C-fax? Uh, use a C-fax, use a fax <laughs> machine. So you'd I'd definitely be a legit scout if you could fax your request. I guess so. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what the reasoning was, and the. Uh, they were always very nice and you spoke to them if there's any ever issues ever any issues but always felt extremely bizarre to be that is bizarre. <laughs> to be faxing but yeah wow did they give you a nice response yeah yeah they're nice they're nice in general actually as it happens but maybe it's changed since then maybe they've moved up to uh, uh to a more modern technology to to sort out their tickets but um <laughs> yeah it was slightly odd uh, in in but quickly in terms to in terms of the uh, over enthusiasm or kind of dislike of players that aren't kind of liked by the fan base, I think that's just part and parcel of um, of everything we just discussed. Really, you know, especially when you can be quite reactionary. And I think Tom Innes is a prime example. Um, we we maybe lose a little bit, which is honestly partly on the ownership too, because of how shambolic some of the recruitment's been. But I think we become a little bit too focused on the individual rather than the bigger picture of the kind of squad building aspect of things and kind of look at the the Tom Ince rather than the the window as a whole which you know when you when you go back and list out the names from the last transfer window it's, it's kind of completely understandable um as to why that happens because you know we've, we've not been a team that's been been recruiting with a purpose so yeah I, I do understand it even if it can be frustrating to read Mm. And, and be honest sometimes the the summer period slows a bit and uh it's nice to uh to read some of these funny links that we get and it's uh <laughs> see some of the responses so you know it keeps you going and sometimes they turn out to be real who knows uh okay cool next one from kenneth do watford fans actually understand what the word rebuild means i'd like at least four definitions Maybe one in a different language too. I think Watford fans do understand what rebuild means, don't they? And this was part of the frustration last season that we were all strapped in for a rebuild, a promised rebuild that never actually happened. Um, yeah, good point. I haven't got the ability, Kenneth, sorry, to say that in another language or probably give you another three definitions of a rebuild. But for me, it is starting from scratch and creating something brand new. Um, and I think we are kind of doing that already. So I'm here for it. The early signs are positive, aren't they? Yeah. I that we seem so. to be backing the manager's vision this yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think that's absolutely critical that we, um, whatever we do, we do that. Give him the tools to succeed because we didn't with Rob Edwards, as we all know. There wasn't a, no. there wasn't a, a moment last, last season, last summer where I felt like we were truly backing Rob. And by backing Rob, I don't mean going after targets he was interested in. I mean, you know, looking to to sign players to fit what he does. And that, there was never a moment that felt that way. So the fact that within the first couple of moves that we've done and even just the, the stuff that's been talked about, I, I do have a lot more hope that we're, we're at least trying to to support the coach and, and to support kind of a, a strategy going forward. Okay, a couple for you, I think, Jordan. First one is, you're based in Canada, right? For years, I've thought we should sign Kyle Larin as a big lump up front. He's moved about a bit recently, and I've heard questions over his attitude, so the moves may be linked 
but I wouldn't mind giving him a go. Yeah, he's kind of a fun one. Um, I think he's playing in Spain now, actually. But he's, um, yeah, he's playing for Valladolid. Yeah, he's he is an interesting one. There, there's been a lot of links from Canada to Belgium was quite a big link, and a lot of players went went across and made that jump. And I don't know much about him personally. I think he's from Toronto, so maybe he's one of those guys. But um, I'm I'm not against it. I think he's quite a good player, actually. He's um, pretty well liked in Canada and he's got a good record for the national team. And he's he's doing pretty well in Spain as well, by the looks of it. Yeah, eight goals in 19 games. And hey, sign me up. If he wants to come here, I'll take it. More, we've already got one Canadian, so make it two. Um, I think that's a good plan. Become a little bit of a feeder, feeder yeah. for the Canadian talent. You could do a lot worse. Canada's a country which actually, being here and being a little bit more in tune with it, they're doing quite a good job of filtering through these these players, these youth players coming through and also a lot of the um a lot of the immigration which is turning into citizenship and and, and having this kind of like pipeline of of young guys coming through the the national team and also getting into some some good european sides as well uh, it's definitely a, a, an interesting uh an interesting nation to look at for for talent but yeah laren's one that i think could uh could be quite a nice acquisition if we were ever in the position to take him on i'd be more than happy to would he fit our style yeah, yeah, I think he would. Yeah, he's he's a pretty well-rounded striker. Actually, he's he's one that um, I think he was linked to a few Premier League clubs for a while. Actually, he's I think he can't he can't he must be under thirty still. Um, yeah, I think he would be quite a, quite a good player for us. But I've not heard anything that that sounds like that's going to happen. He's playing um, he's playing currently in Spain, so no chance of it, unfortunately, this season at least. But why not? One to watch certainly. Um, next one. Probably for you again, Jordan, uh, unless you wanted to chip in here, Tom. Dan Harvey says, I know watching training videos on SM. Social media. Social media can be misleading, but is there enough fitness training going on at the beginning of preseason? Seems to be bulwark from the off. Could this be a mistake? Um, well, I think it's probably just more fun to watch bulwark in like a short video form. Um, I they'll be doing conditioning for sure ideally they're still be in pretty good condition um they a lot of the footage we probably if they're if they're doing two a days right now probably a lot of the footage we see is the second um the second session of the day so it will be a little bit more ball work and so on i wouldn't be too too concerned i will say that some i looked at some one of the videos they posted the other day uh was a bunch of the guys in the gym doing some like kind of activation work and it looked like some pretty lackluster application from from what I could see. It wasn't great, but that's just what happens. You get a bunch of twenty year olds together in a room and try and get them to do something. So um, I wouldn't be too too concerned though. From from a bigger picture standpoint, I'm sure they're getting their conditioning in. Um, it, it's a steady process, like especially when you're talking about injury prevention and so on. They're not going to rush them into it necessarily. Um, but they'll be doing significant, um, significant work on that, especially, especially under the head coach we've got. If you don't have, if you don't have good, a good engine on you, you're not going to be in the first team very often. Is, is is generally how it plays with him. I think it's also worth pointing out that the, the days of preseason being running up and down hills until you're physically sick might be associated with our greatest period in our history in the kind of eighties, but they were nearly forty years ago now. Like it's even as someone who has no comprehension of these things, you know, in the way that you do, Jordan, it has moved on a hell of a lot. And I know a lot of teams and players and coaches will say now, you know, we get the balls out from first session. 
being able to run and run is one thing, but you need to be able to do it with the football uh, kind of thing as well, right? You know, there's yeah. a well, lot more I, kind of modern thought and theory behind it than just running up a hill until you pass out. Well, and without getting into the weeds and boring everyone to death, that sort of that sort of activity is not is almost irrelevant in regards to football. You know, you could you could be a great cross cross country runner uh, and get on a football pitch for ninety minutes and be gassed by by half time. It's you know it's a more you, you're looking at more in terms of like f- functional transition to the sport you're playing, especially with football. It's a lot of sprinting, and so interval training is, is is way more prevalent. And you know, in general, if you're looking at kind of a high intensity interval system, you, you're not really necessarily going to be focusing on kind of long endurance situations. It's just not practical. You want to be working in 15, 20, maximum 25 minute spells um, a day in some cases to even get these players up to speed. So it's not it's definitely not the days of old and a lot of that was about building toughness in commas there um which you know is a it is not necessarily uh equivalent to getting a team to, together and ready for a for a long season especially when we're looking at injury prevention and so on so no i, I think i'll be pretty confident that from a conditioning perspective they'll be okay for the start of the season i, I don't have too many concerns there but good question though nonetheless well i, I would question how important it, it really is to do that kind of work these days because the, the players they only get what four weeks off if that and yeah and they come back and these are fit guys i mean how much damage yeah. can they really done to their body in that short space of time before they come back to the club it's kind of just like honestly what what it is it's effectively when it comes to that sort of conditioning even with a, with a small break like that you're really just topping the tank off every week. You know, you're just making sure you're keeping them finely tuned. Um, you know, most of these guys, a lot of these guys play at their kind of the, the top end of their capacity for a good portion of their career. So as you say, you're not really, you're not starting from scratch every time you get them back in. Um, they're having to stay in relatively good condition. They're never, they're only ever a couple of weeks off being match fit generally. There are exceptions, of course, but for a pro in a, in a good period of his I mean, in his 20s early 30s and so on you expect them to be not too far off um conditioning levels you'd expect for them um early on and uh, to be honest with you there's still there is still an element i've seen it myself there's still an element of the um of the coach wanting to hammer the players just to get a bit of authority across and get some suffering get a little bit of joint suffering in there for morale purposes you know a lot of it is um a lot of the stuff you see is not is not kind of from a sports science standpoint. It's just a, a tried and tested method for for other things on top of the work they do to actually kind of get them into into match readiness. Okay, we reached the last question. This one from Jack, uh, and it's for both of you. Give me three reasons to be optimistic about the upcoming season because I'm struggling. Okay, I prepared for this and wrote three reasons down. One. There seems to be a more clear identity, so clear I can't say it, identity and philosophy. Um, I think they talked about this at the fans forum. They talked about it in relation to Valer and Ismail. They seem to be signing players that fit that either shape, style of play, the kind of roles within it, etc. So that's good. Number two, interesting signings. I think we talked about this at the top of the show, but, you know, different kind of profiles of signings, different markets, absolutely. So that is a welcome change. And number three, hopefully we're going to see as a kind of net 
result of all these things uh, a much more likable and enjoyable team. You know, we may finish lower. Expectations are lower, unquestionably. But I think if we can all kind of fall back in love with Watford again, or at least not in the season, fighting and bickering and moaning and groaning and whatnot, then it will all have made for a more uh, enjoyable season. God, three is tough to pull off the top of my head. Um, all right. I think, I, with especially without saying anything you've said there, Tom, um, I think that for me, the biggest thing is early indication is we are looking to change approach somewhat. We'll see how big of a change it is. That's kind of remains to be seen somewhat, but early indications are that we do have, um, we do have a strategy in place. And that is based on the fact that it started with the managers we were linked to, or the head coaches we were linked to early on. There was a pattern emerging. We, we could see quite quickly um, what style of coach we were looking for, which again, that continuity is, is promising. We're not just looking at available coaches and looking at kind of good coaches. We're, we're seeing what coaches fit, the, the, what we want to do. And and that style was in line with what we've seen from Manga before um, at his previous club and and so on. And then from that, obviously players we've been linked with too, they also fit that. So at least we're starting to see that sort of consistency. Whether or not it works out exactly how we want, how it's planned, we'll find out. But I'll, I'll take that compared to compared to where we've been. Um, that's one. God, uh, this is hard. Um, I think the likability factor is one thing. I, I think if we do actually execute or get halfway to doing so, um, the, the style of play we're looking for, I think it's a... <sighs> it's a type of football that does get fans back on side a little bit, you know, that sort of aggressive um, pressing football, you, you, it gets the crowd going, you know, those sort of turnovers are positive. You're, you're defending in an aggressive manner, in, a, in an aggressive manner. Um, it, it's high energy. Uh, it at least kind of gives the idea that players are fighting for, for the team and so on. I think that's the thing we've been missing for a while. We've been quite a passive team for quite a long time. You know, defensively especially, we, we're not one to really play with a lot of tempo, and we've we've been kind of outshone by teams that come to Vicarage Road and do that to us on, on a new number of occasions. Also, so being on the other end of it might be nice for a change. Um, and then three, God, have you got one here to help me out, Matt? Oh, I mean, football in general. Like, isn't the summer boring when there's no football to to watch? I mean, it's just exciting to get back and start seeing balls <laughs> being kicked around again. Okay, and three you'll also have. We'll also be recording the, on a weekly basis again. So you have. Oh, great choice! Great fun. choice of a third one there, yeah, Jordan. Well done. Sorry, Jack. If I think of something actually good, I'll I'll reply to the. No, comments. no, Jordan. That was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. Um, and it sets us up uh very well to 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 lead us out. Um, I think that's that's us done. Thank you very much for for listening to us. Um, on this sort of transfer. Special will be doing more of these as as more things sort of come to light, but uh, we felt as though we had a few things to chat about, so it was worth getting together and, and having a little discussion. Um, I think so far that the the overall uh, picture is that we we've we've made some good transfers and there's positive news and uh, speculation, and it's all starting to look quite good. It's early days, but we're we're pretty happy at the minute. Is that right? Yeah. Let's also, let's also look forward to some potential outgoings too and see what happens. There. Yes, I'm going to be weirdly excited when we see yes. some players move on because I still think there's work to be done in that respect. Yes. 
Uh, one tiny thing to mention that was a bit disappointing. Harry Amass has moved on. Um, another example of a, a talented youngster that Watford have been unable to convince to stay around. Yeah, I haven't seen him play. I've never heard of him until he was first linked away. It is a shame we should be giving these players, if not the immediate pathway, then confidence that there is a pathway. But it doesn't happen overnight. And I think we saw steps in the right direction last season. So I hope that this isn't something we're talking about again in the near future. Mm. It's difficult, isn't it, Jordan? Because if they're talented, they want to go to the big clubs and the big clubs want them. But if they're not talented, we don't want them, we get rid of them. So what do we need? Sort of like average players that could develop, but no one else wants? Well, no, the trick, I mean, the, the trick, that's, that is the, that is the problem with, with the system, right? You know, you can't sign them to professional, like to long-term contracts at a young age. So they're always going to have that potential to kind of go where they want when they get to 16 or whatever. But I mean, the, the way you retain players that could be playing at a higher or could be playing, you know, in a higher team's academy is to, to give them a genuine chance to play, for the first team, you know, most, most players know now that if you're if you're Amos at Watford and you're thinking, okay, I can either go to United now, are you going to get in the United team? Probably not. There's a good chance you don't. But the trickle down from United for a loan is much better. But if he's at Watford and he thinks that, you know, next year, you know, look at what we've got a left back, I might, I might have a chance of getting in this team. He might be more encouraged to stay, but the reality is there's not too many opportunities. We've had a few exceptions. Obviously, Morris and Edwards are in the team. Um, but I think if recruitment had, had been a little better, at least one of those wouldn't be there. So it, it's a tough situation. You, you have to kind of really commit to, to one or the other. And so far, we've not really shown any sign of committing to the kind of route to the first team option. Maybe that would change. Maybe Morris and, and Andrews will start a trend in that. But um, yeah, it's just the... It's, Live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing, I guess. Oh, actually, I did have one thing real, real quick, but I had someone message me during the week. Um, I wanted to I wanted to point out. Um, okay, two things. Okay, two things. Firstly, Yona, I just saw your I just saw your message on Twitter. It was a DM and I missed it in regards to questions. Um, so I'll get back to you that one. Either I'll tweet about it or get back to you personally on that one. Sorry, I've just seen this as we're finishing recording. We are a bit limited for time, so apologies there. But also, um, I spoke to I spoke to a guy who was talking about the podcast, and he mentioned where he listens to the podcast. He said, he, listened, he said, I know you're interested. I normally listen to the pod, driving up the M1 to work, occasionally walking the dog. So a little bit back to our roots there, getting the kind of where do you listen to the podcast answer in, which I always appreciate. So... Wanted to throw that in. Excellent. Um, and more of those, please. Where where do you listen to yeah. the pod? And if there's anyone else driving up the M1, there could be two people listening at the same time. You know, that's kind nice. of nice yeah. to think about. I mean, I listen, I, I listen on the M1 as well on the to, to, to ourselves. <laughs> you, could, you could, you could maybe, you could potentially even carpool. <laughs> listen What's to, he could listen with yeah. you in the flesh. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's that's the that's the second tier of Patreon subscribers. But. Cool. And these people that are finding you, Jordan, they're finding you at Jordan Weimer on Twitter, right? Correct. And uh, if they wanted to find you, Tom, they don't. But if they wanted to find you, they <laughs> they would go at TB Burdell, and that's where they would find you. It's that's the one. We've established Tom has fans, haven't we? Exactly, mate. <laughs>
Exactly. A bit more respect. Put some respect on my name. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, and if you want to find me at Messi, Messi, I know. Um, and the pod, of course, is well, at What for Pod. Um, and we are close to 1,000 fans on, on Twitter. Is it, is it fans? I can't remember what it is. Followers. Followers. That's Followers. what it is. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, um, as you can tell, you use Twitter a lot. I use Twitter so much. Um, right. Okay, then that's it. Um, we're going to play out the, the the tune and um, and get on our merry way. But uh, thanks very much for listening. I've been Matt. I've been Jordan. I've been Tom. <laughs> and we've been the Watford Buzz. Goodbye. Never do that again. <laughs> See you next time, guys. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Absolutely emphatic. And Jay Dumeric. Oh, yes. Luther Pissett. That's a spectacular goal. And Helgerson comes in first. Oh, it's a goal. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.